Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and you tune in today because you're sick of trying every fad diet under the sun and training yourself into the ground without seeing any results. That's why I'm here to share the most effective ways to eat and train for sustainable and real results. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I really do appreciate you joining me today, and I hope you're having a fantastic week already. I've got a ripping show lined up for you today, as always. Our guest, Jay Mariniak, he's a personal trainer, he's a crossfitter, he's an absolute beast, he is the creator of The Functional Method, he's a type 1 diabetic, and he's also a former drug and alcohol addict who has an amazing story of how he got to where he is today, and I know you guys are going to love the interview. Now, I want you to stick around to the end of the show for this week's social media question of the week. And as always, if you if you enjoy the episode, if you take some value from it, which I know you will because I absolutely loved this interview today, make sure you take a screenshot of the episode and post it up on your Instagram story. Tag myself, tag Jay. I'll put his Instagram uh, handle in the show notes below so you can go and check out his content. We'd love to hear your feedback and get any questions that you may have for myself or Jay. And as always, the support is much appreciated, so make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Now let's get stuck into the interview. Uh, Jay, firstly, welcome to the show, man. I've just done a, a brief intro, but uh, I can I can just tell already the audience is going to absolutely love the opportunity to listen to what you have to say today. And uh, I, myself, I'm absolutely pumped to, to have a chat with you. Yeah, likewise, Dan. Thanks a lot for inviting me on. Now, man, I know you've had a very interesting journey to get to where you are now, and um, I mentioned in the intro that I'm going to put your the links and stuff to your social media and everything in the show notes so people can check out just how much of a beast you actually are. Um, but how did you first get into the world of fitness? Well, I got into the world of fitness when I was 20. I, uh, you know, it's kind of a long story, but I ended up, you know, getting sober when I was 20 years old. You know, I had a long history of drug and alcohol abuse and I got sober when I was 20 and that's when you know after getting out of rehab and, and kind of cleaning my act up a bit I was like I, I gotta do something with myself you know I gotta gotta do something to occupy my time you know keep my mind off of you know the old lifestyle I was living and you know get me in a positive direction so you know one of the first things I thought of was was uh, martial arts actually is where I started my fitness journey and, you know, I was doing martial arts and, you know, working out at a planet fitness and just not really knowing what I was doing, but just, you know, I knew, knew I needed to make a beginning. Definitely. And then that obviously led you down the path to eventually now, um, you know, being a, one of the top trainers and, and an absolute beast yourself and taking your training obviously very seriously and pushing yourself physically and mentally to improve each and every day, which is awesome. Now, you're also, uh, I believe, a type 1 diabetic. Is that right? That is correct. And when did that come about? Like when, when were you first diagnosed with, with that? I was diagnosed when I was 28. So, so you'd already been training kind of solidly for about eight years. Yeah. Yeah, I'd already been in the fitness world. So I was, you know, very lucky, really, to be honest. You know, number one, I was an adult you know, when I got diagnosed, so, you know, I was more responsible, more mature, able to kind of manage the diseases, ups and downs, you know, better than, you know, a lot of these kids or young kids that get it. Uh, so yeah. And I was already, I was already fit and I already knew how to eat well and eat healthy and take care of myself. So I really, you know, at the end of the day, it was a, it was tough at first to be diagnosed for sure. You know, it was definitely a major life changer. 
but at the end of the day, I'm really the best possible person to, to get the disease. So now tell us, tell us what it was like in terms of, did you have to make many changes to your training? Obviously I'm assuming your nutrition, there was a number of changes you had to, or at least things you needed to be aware of. What were some of the biggest things that you needed to, to basically change to suit that lifestyle now of knowing that you had type one diabetes? So it was just tricky in the beginning, learning, you know, what I felt as, as opposed to, or uh, relating to, you know, high blood sugars or low blood sugars. So there was a lot of fear in the beginning uh, when I was going through workouts, like when I was feeling really tired and, you know, I didn't know if I was going really low and that I needed to stop. You know, I didn't know if my blood sugars were going really high. You know, there was this, this big learning curve, it's kind of relearning your body and, and what you're feeling. So you know, I didn't work out for about a month or so when I first got diagnosed because I was just scared. I didn't know, uh, I didn't know how, how to go about it. So it took me a little while, but you know, that was really the main thing that opposed any kind of problem was, was that in the beginning, just just kind of acclimating to having type one and, and, and training and learning how exercise, and different kinds of exercise, affect my blood sugars. And uh, so there, you know, there was that learning curve. But w- once I got through that, honestly, I, I just. I just got better in, in really every facet of fitness, um, you know, from, from strength gains to, you know, building muscle, you know, all these different things, you know, cause I was, I was sick for a while and I just didn't know, you know, the, the doctors think that I was sick for about a year before I was actually diagnosed. So that's crazy. Um, yeah. I remember that last year, it just, it just felt like shit all the time that last year. And I just thought, I don't know, I just thought I was a wuss <laughs> to be honest. You know, I was like, man, I just can't, I just suck, man. I just can't train. Huh? felt like crap all the time and uh so it was good in a way to to kind of learn that you know i'm not a wuss and that i actually had some stuff going on yeah and i I don't know if um if this is something that um that there's like one kind of main resource you can go to or not but if for someone that may, may be listening that does have type 1 diabetes and might be going through a similar thing to what you were going through is there any uh, resources, uh, whether it be articles, podcasts, or, or websites for people to check out to get some more information on the training and nutrition side of things, or is it something that really just has to be, uh, it's going to come down to that, that individual and their GP or, or whatever? Um, you know, there's, there's definitely some, some knowledge and information you can get from your doctor, uh, for sure. Uh, I think fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of our doctors are a little bit outdated with some of the the knowledge, you know, regarding you know, fitness and nutrition and that, that kind of thing. Uh, so I actually get a lot of questions from people that have type one, you know, telling me, Oh, my doctor told me this, but I don't think they really know what they're talking about. And, and that kind of thing. And I'm not trying to knock doctors by any means. Uh, doctors are great. And my doctor's really good, but uh, there's a lot of other knowledge out there. So yeah, there are, uh, there are Facebook pages that are just for type one diabetic athletes. You know, people that are into working out where, where people just, you know, share information, you know, share what's going on in their training and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it's a tricky thing, you know, diet, exercise in general, you know, if we go and start researching that there's going to be a million things that pop up, you know, there's going to be one side telling you, this is the right way. This is the best possible diet for a type one diabetic or just somebody in general. Uh, and then you're going to get another article that says, no, that's, that's not it. That's probably causing cancer. And yeah. you know what I mean? It's, 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 a, exactly it's a tricky this, world that exactly we live the same in. As, uh, exactly the same as every other uh, approach in nutrition and training, isn't it? You can find 
a million articles for and against everything, basically. Exactly. So I, I think it's important to research and gather as much information as you possibly can and then start testing it. You know what I mean? Start testing yeah. it on yourself. See what works best for you. See what, see what you're feeling. Uh, see what you know, makes you perform the best, that kind of thing. And I tell that to all my clients as well. It's, is that you got to figure out what's best for you. I can guide you in the right direction. You know, I can guide you to different articles that you can read. But ultimately, we all, I think, individually have to form our own opinion um, and, and ultimately test the research. Yeah, nice. I love that, man. Now, you, some of your videos on like your Instagram and, and stuff I've seen on YouTube and stuff is seriously fucking impressive, man. So what, uh, what, obviously you're, you're a, um, an advocate for functional training and you kind of, uh, I see now like a lot of your training covers so many different, I guess, uh, styles of training, whether it be calisthenics, whether it be, um, you know, barbell training, strength training, hypertrophy, whatever it may be. What, um, how do you define functional training? Like what is your definition of functional training? Uh, well, you know what, the, the, the textbook definition, I feel like a lot of us have kind of heard and kind of know, right? We want to ultimately select movements that kind of transfer over to our everyday life activities. Right? Yeah. Um, I feel like they can be a little bit boring, but at this, at the same time, you know, I, I do, I do like a lot of training that does just apply to my everyday life. And I think that it's important for, us as individuals to train our bodies in a way where we're training, you know, all planes of motion, um, you know, as far as rotation, uh, moving laterally, forward, back, that kind of thing, you know, building strength, whether it be pressing, deadlifting, you know, squatting, lunging, these kind of things. So I think it's important to, to definitely have um, a foundation of, of strength and a lot of these different movements, movement patterns. Uh, but I've definitely taken you know, functional training per se to, to a different level, I feel like. And I've just kind of, you know, created uh, the functional method, which is the program that I have out now, which yeah. really just embodies all facets of fitness. So that, that's, that, that's, that's how I like to kind of define it, where a lot of what I do, there's a lot of functional undertones, but at the same time, you know, I'm incorporating, you know, bodybuilding techniques. Uh, yeah, there's actually uh, there's actually structure and theory behind it because I feel like with with functional training and I don't know if you see a lot of this stuff as well, but like especially on social media, like you get some people who are kind of taking the uh, functional training thing the wrong way, and you'll have someone doing like a fucking single leg squat while they do a bench press on a Bosu ball or something like that, <laughs> um, and <laughs> and calling it functional training. But I love the way you go about things, man, and. Has there been any, like, obviously you just mentioned you like to cover all types of bases with your training, but has there been any ways that have been more effective for you than others? Like, have you found that you do tend to enjoy a lot of the big lifts or um, is there a style of training that you t tend to gravitate towards the most? Yeah, you know, I've actually started to get more into, you know, higher reps, you know, lower weight. You know, as I, as I get a little bit older, you know, I'm 33 now, uh, right when I about – hit 30 years old, you know, my body just wasn't quite reacting and recovering the same way as it used to, you know, there, there was a time where, yeah, you know, I'd throw up, you know, 500 plus pounds in the deadlift for reps and, you know, squat this and that. And, uh, you know, cause I had those goals, you know, of seeing how much I could lift and what my true potential was and that kind of thing. And at the end of the day, now, 
uh, I find that I, I get injured a lot when I do big lifts like that. Even though my form is good, I tend to mm-hmm. just, my body just, uh, just doesn't like it anymore, you know? So I've gotten more into, you know, using lighter weights and really maximizing those weights with, you know, using different tempos and, and creating more time under tension and that kind of thing that's, you know, safer for the joints uh, ultimately is going to build up connective tissue as opposed to tearing it down. Um, where and then you're still, you're still building strength, you know, not, not quite, you know, the same way you would on a one rep max deadlift, but you're still building strength and, and you're building muscle. Uh, you know, I feel good, you know, looking, trying to look good as well. So, um, yeah, you know, I've really gotten more into, to doing a little bit less, you know, cause I still sometimes have a mindset of this like 25 year old mindset of like, oh yeah, let me just you know, crush it, you know, let me do, you know, 10 million sets of this and that, like, like as if that's going to get me more results. And at the end of the day, I'm learning that it's just not the case. And then actually less is more. So that's generally been my, my mindset the past couple of years is, is less is more. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, it, it is important to keep that in mind for, like you just mentioned in terms of you're now gravitating towards some higher rep stuff with lower loads. Like you really need to put in perspective, like what, the purpose of your training is so although maybe uh, all well and good to have you know extremely heavy one rm bench press but if you've always got a sore shoulder and you're not a power lifter and your one rm bench press means absolutely jack all to anybody else apart from yourself then you got to really weigh up whether or not it's worth uh that style of training like i know myself with lifts like squats and deadlifts you know i love to go heavy i love to keep the rep ranges quite low and the loads high but with any type of upper body pushing movements whenever I increase the loads and decrease the reps, I t- even with good form, I tend to start to get sore and inflamed through the, the anterior part of the shoulder. So uh, I've just changed the way I train my upper body in terms of pushing movements. So I kind of just uh, chop and change the way I train depending on what my body responds to and what's going to be best overall in the long run and, and what's uh, more beneficial for what I'm actually trying to achieve. Because I think a lot of people just kind of gravitate towards what they think they should be doing, not so much what is more beneficial for them and their goals and their body type or whatever injuries and uh, makeup they've got to work around. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's that's really key. I really love what you just said there. You know, it's really – that really encompasses training maturity, you know, and it just, it just takes time to get to that place that you're in, right, of like, okay, yeah, I love squatting and, you know, squatting heavy and that kind of thing and your body works well with that and – but yet you realize that with the bench press, no matter what, you're just not quite feeling right. And you've kind of worked around it and kind of accepted that, okay, I just, I can't do heavy bench press, right? Mm-hmm. So let me, let me do this. Let me, you know, maybe do some single arm work or, or, or whatever. And, and that's huge in training. And um, yeah, you're so right, man. Like a lot of people just do what they think they're supposed to do or, you know, they see, you know, these professional athletes or elite athletes, like, let's just take, like, CrossFit, for example. Like, these guys, and I'm not knocking CrossFit because I like CrossFit. Somebody's got, you know, their volume is insane, man. Like, they can just do crazy amounts of reps and and, and volume. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's just, it's not going to work out well for you. And, exactly right. And and most people don't see the fact that, that that amount of volume that they're currently doing has probably been accumulated over a long period of time. And it may only be a short stint where they're actually doing that much volume and that, like you said there's just so many factors that come into play that um that a 
lot of people may not be aware of or uh, choose to ignore. But yeah, like you said, I think once you can figure out what's going to work best for you and your body, then that's when you're going to really start to see the results and continue to enjoy your training and stay injury free. Because in the end of the day, um, you know, if you're if you're sitting out um, out of training or having to back off your training every month because you're getting inflamed in a in a joint or whatever it may be, then your progress over a long period of time is probably going to suck compared to just changing up things and making sure that you're actually able to stay in the gym and progress over time. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, not even your performance is going to suck, which which it definitely will. But then, it, getting injured just like rips at your soul. You know, <laughs> it does. You know what I mean, like when you're living in that like cumulative injury cycle of just like constantly being hurt and having to modify, like it just kills you. You know, I mean, it's, it kills me and I, I watch it with so many of my clients too. Like it just sucks, you know? So yeah, it's just so important to, yeah, really embrace the like less is more and take care of your body. And you know what? A lot of people just can't do that on their own either. And that's why a lot of people hire trainers, you know, or go to classes or, or whatever it is. Cause a lot of people don't have that, uh, that willpower or that right sense to, take it back a notch and there's nothing wrong with that you know that's why having a trainer is so good a lot of yeah, time. definitely couldn't agree more now uh is there is there a, a certain amount of um of specific movements that you would recommend that most people do in their training program like um like i'll give you an example like i i always try and you know one way or another give someone like a hip hinge movement obviously uh some pulling movements horizontal and vertical but is there any specific exercises uh i'd say that you think that most people should be doing in their gym program sure yeah i I generally with any of my clients and uh with my programs as well particularly the the new program that i have coming out in the next couple weeks the functional method 2.0 uh it's really structured where i think that on uh, let's take a full body day for example i think there should be a carry of some sort you know some yeah. kind of farmer farmer's carry overhead carry single arm carry you know then a you know a push a pull a hinge a squat a lunge and a core movement so i generally will structure any client's workout in that fashion if it's like a full body day um and i find that works really well and that kind of hits all the bases yeah nice and with uh, with the training side of things, we obviously need to take into account nutrition and how much of a role that plays in recovery and performance in and the way you look, your body composition and whatnot. So what's your approach to nutrition now? And I know this may be slightly altered um, to to kind of uh, to work with your with your diabetes, but what is your approach now? Uh, my approach now is to really minimize any kind of high glycemic carbohydrate. And so I'm talking for myself personally, my personal diet. So generally, I mean, of course, I have my days where I'll have pizza and ice cream and, you know, enjoy life. Uh, But generally, Monday through Friday, I try to minimize any kind of high glycemic carbs, any kind of white rice, you know, pastas, that kind of thing. I generally don't have any of that kind of stuff. Uh, I try to focus on lower carbohydrates and also carbs that just aren't going to spike my blood sugar, like, you know, uh, carbs that are, you know, low glycemic and are high in fiber generally too, are, are really good carbs if you're looking to, you know, not spike blood sugar and that kind of thing. So, you know, whole wheat, English muffin, I'll have for breakfast, you know, quinoa, you know, brown rice, you know, things of that nature. Uh, because generally anytime I have 
some of these high glycemic carbs, it just just makes my life more challenging. My, my blood sugars spike. They tend to stay elevated for longer periods of time. You know, so all these things we, we've been reading about and hearing for the past decade about, you know, high glycemic, low glycemic and how they affect blood sugar. It's, it's kind of cool that I get to, you know, view it on my iPhone, you know, as far as what my sugars are doing Definitely. You know, when, I, when I'm eating this particular carb and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah. And then, you know, healthy fats, you know, it's just really basic. I feel like I'm really boring. Uh, I have a lot of followers <laughs> that reach out like, hey, man, like, can you share share your diet and like I do share some stuff here and there but I generally you know I find things that work and I generally eat the same thing all the time I'll make slight adjustments but I just I just keep it simple uh stay healthy Monday through Friday have some cheat you know ice cream stuff like that on the weekends so yeah nice nice man do you and do you have any daily rituals or uh, a morning routine or anything that you try and stick by each day like do you meditate or is there anything that you feel like gets you in a, a good mental state for the day ahead yeah for sure so i i definitely uh i definitely pray i um i got a couple meditation books that i like to read just to kind of set my mind right a little bit give me some some something to kind of ponder or think about and um yeah you know i just try to pray for my my family and and my friends and, you know, pray for strength just to kind of get through my day and, and to ultimately be the person that, you know, my higher power wants me to be. And, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in breath and breath work. So I try to, um, I've learned a couple of different breathing techniques over the years. One in particular that I use a lot is a, a four second inhale through the nose, a yep. four second, a four second hold and a four second exhale. So I'm sure a lot of us that, know anything about meditation i've kind of kind of heard that one before and have you yeah. uh, looked into much of have you looked into much of wim hof's um breathing techniques and some of his theories i have not no oh man i'll uh once we finish up this interview i'll send you a link to a couple of his um things there's actually a podcast he did with i believe he's done one with joe rogan and he's definitely done one with uh, with lewis howes and this this guy is. Uh, do you know who Wim Hof is? Uh, I don't know. Uh, man, he is uh, an incredible dude. So he has a lot of records, world records, and whatnot of doing things in extreme temperatures. So like he's done, I think he's done like a marathon in just shorts on ice, like with no shoes, no socks, or anything. He's he's got like the world record for the longest time underwater. Um, in like basically the Antarctica and um, he he preaches a lot of stuff about how to really control your basically like your hormone levels, your breathing, your cortisol levels um, through breathing under cold water, breathing even even not with water. So like there's a, a breathing technique that goes for, uh, it takes you about two to three minutes to do and it's meant to help with like kind of getting your cortisol levels down, bringing your heart rate down and making you... Uh, feel a lot more calm and, and stuff like that, which is really cool before anything that you get nervous before or what, whatever. So I'll send you a link to it after we finish up here. Yeah. I think you'll, uh, you'll find it really interesting. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Definitely. All right. So to wrap things up, Jay, there's uh there's a little segment I've just started adding into the podcast called the push. And basically what it is, is I try and figure out or get you to think about like what your push is. And um, so I'll get into those questions now. So the first one is, is there anything, and if there is, what is it, uh, that you're doing currently outside of your comfort zone that you think is going to improve your life? Uh, I think I think the one thing that I'm doing right now that's really kind of tested me in a lot of different ways and helped me 
helped me grow is is business stuff you know so i launched an online business a year ago and you know it's doing really well and i'm i'm handling everything on my own you know so i'm okay. doing all the back end work all the infrastructure uh, all the creation all that kind of stuff so yeah it's been um that's been the first thing that i that i can think of that i've been kind of going into the unknown and learning a lot about myself and what I'm capable of. Right. And what was the reason for that? Like, why did you decide to go down that path and why have you decided to kind of push yourself uh, and take care of most of it yourself and try and figure it out along the way? Yeah. I mean, honestly, for a while I had friends, you know, that were, you know, in marketing and that kind of thing that were like, Hey dude, you've got, you have a ton of followers. You really got to start making money off of this. You know, you really got to start creating something. I mean, there's been so many conversations I've had, over the years of people pushing me to do it. And, you know, I'm someone who's, I'm such a perfectionist and, you know, I can at times live in a space of, no, it has to be perfect before I do this, right. All the planets have to align before I can, you know, go and and do that. Mm. And, you know, I finally got to a place where I'm like, man, I got to just do something. I got to start. I got to just start. And I did, I started and created a, a PDF, sold it for 20 bucks and and that's where it all began. Fantastic. And has there been any obstacles or, or hurdles that you've had to jump over along the way? I'm sure uh, knowing that you're doing it all yourself, like I, I've kind of gone through a similar thing myself and um, I think I already know the answer to this because there's been an absolute shitload of stuff where I've been absolutely stumped and uh, it's hard to, to figure out what step to take next. But has there been any obstacles that you've had to work through so far? Yeah, you know, I think in the beginning it just – you know, because I kind of was going by my bootstraps from the very start. I had no idea what I was doing. And I had a good, good friend of mine, Tim, who was a was a marketing guy. He knew he knew a lot of the web stuff, and, and he just, you know, really just asking for help was a was a big hurdle for me. You know, generally it can be yep. someone who doesn't want to ask for help. You know, I got to just figure it out. And you know, to some extent, I have I've had to just figure it out. But yeah, just asking help for help from people you know to really get to where I am today is, uh, was was difficult and so those are some of my my bigger hurdles I feel like were kind of the spiritual hurdles as opposed to some of the actual physical and material stuff yeah and I love what you said on that second question as well about just starting like something that this is kind of something that I've been talking about a lot I feel like I've been talking about a lot lately anyway to people in terms of just actually starting and just doing it even if you don't because like in the end of the day there's never going to be the perfect time to start something that you want to chase after. But if you continually put it off, put it off, put it off, it's just a waste of time. Like I, I always use the example of this podcast. So uh, it's we're up to, oh, I don't even know what episode now. I think we're up to about 130 or 140 episodes now. Um, so over two years, I've been putting, putting an episode out every week. So it's been over two years. Nice. And like, literally before I started, I'd been thinking about it for about, three to six months, I'd wrote down the ideas for the name of the podcast, the guests that I wanted to have on, all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. And I got to one day and I was just like, fuck, man, I, I have all this, like, it's it's all good in theory, but if I don't actually start it, there's none of this makes, none of this matters at all. So why I put it off? So I literally read a blog that day on how to start a podcast, went out, bought some, a, a cheap microphone, I set it up on my laptop, uh, made an account and uploaded the first episode, which to listen to now is like sticking pins in your eyes. Uh, but, yeah. uh, but I just started and if I hadn't started, then who knows, it may still be just something that was in the, the notes section of my phone, but instead I've been able to, you know, 
network and and share some uh, some interviews and chats with some you know amazing people like yourself. So I think you hit the nail on the head. If there's something that you want to do, then you really just need to start it. As um, kind of cliche as it sounds, you just need yeah. to just take that first step. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we hear it so often that even these incredibly successful people that we all know, famous people, you know, they were at one point just like us, you know, not knowing what the hell they were doing, you know, but they just made a beginning, you know, and that's what, that's what we got to do. Definitely. And uh, bef- like the last thing before we wrap this up, Jay, uh, if, what do you want the listener to walk away with today? Is there one thing or one takeaway that you think the person that's uh, tuned into our chat today um, should walk away with? Yeah, I hope it's just some some motivation to better yourself. You know, I definitely was someone who at one point in my life felt like there was no hope for me, you know, especially when I was heavily into my addiction, drugs and alcohol. And and even in my first year of sobriety, I still felt like, you know, I would never be successful. I would never make anything of my life. And you know, looking back at that now, you know, 12 and a half, almost 13 years later and you know, my life has just turned into something that is seriously a, a freaking dream. You know, I literally, like when I say to people, yeah, I'm living the dream, I'm like being serious. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I literally am. And, you know, it's just, I know it's cliche, but it's like, I'm telling you, man, we, we have to just rise above the shit that we're going through, you know, whether, you know, be just depression or whatever things going on with family members or like whatever it may be like we have to just rise above that stuff surround ourselves with positive influential people you know get away from negativity and just man go after the shit that we love and go after our dreams man like it's really the truth and, and that's that's just what i've done and i'm certainly have had a tremendous amount from friends family and the ultimately the universe Mm. along the way you know i just i've always believed and told people that uh you know i sponsor people in in a recovery program and uh you know just people that ask my advice on things man it's like man you gotta you gotta put your head down sometimes and just bust your ass you gotta just put in the work and and things just happen you know but you gotta just not focus on that shit and try to project and okay i want this and this and this it's like man just put the work in and the universe i believe just kind of delivers what we're supposed to get. So, oh man, I couldn't agree more. That's awesome. Uh, you're a great dude. Thank you so much for uh, for thank you giving us your time today. Uh, I've definitely taken a lot out of it. So I'm sure uh, the audience and everybody listening today has also taken the shitload out of it as well. So appreciate your time, man, and um, thank you. Awesome, Dan. I appreciate you, man. Thanks a lot for having me on. Good talk. My pleasure, guys. Make sure you stick around for this week's social media question of the week. Uh, it's coming up next. What an amazing interview and what an amazing human, guys. Uh, a massive thanks to Jay for joining us on the show today. I hope you've enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Uh, I thought it was awesome. Um, I loved hearing his opinion on a number of different things from training to nutrition and also his story. I mean, what an awesome story. So if you did enjoy the episode, please do take a screenshot, post it up on your Instagram story, tag myself, tag Jay. We'd love to hear your feedback and uh, and let us know whether you enjoyed today's show. Also, it helps us get more ears on the episode, which is amazing because the more support we can get, the more people that we can help. So now it's time for this week's social media question of the week. And that rec- that question refers to my opinion on overdoing HIIT training or overdoing HIIT workouts and maximal effort sessions per week and the effect it can have on your recovery, your fat loss, and your performance. 
Now, firstly, my opinion on HIIT workouts is that they are extremely effective. I'm a massive fan of HIIT training, um, and that can refer to high-intensity interval training for cardio for your conditioning. That can also refer to high-intensity resistance training where you're keeping rest times low and keeping uh, the, the workload or the work volume up nice and high. Um, but the effect that it can have on recovery is quite large. Now, when we talk about using HIIT training for your conditioning and for the purpose of fat loss, let's assume that you're lifting weights at least multiple times per week. So we'll go with someone who's doing weights four times per week. So that strength training is going to be at a relatively high intensity and it takes a while for the body to recover. If we now pair in some high intensity interval training, so we've got HIIT conditioning in there as well, we're basically going to count that as another workout. So if you're doing two of those per week, you're now training at a very high intensity six times per week. Not to mention where you place those workouts is extremely important. So let's say uh, it's a Monday, you've just trained upper body a strength workout, and the following day on Tuesday, you've got a lower body strength workout. But on that Monday in the afternoon, you decide to do a high intensity interval training session. It's a lower body focused session. You need to take into account that your recovery is going to be impaired for the next day. So it's going to have some form of effect on your recovery before you train legs again the next day. So the reason why that's important is because if your focus is on getting stronger, progressive overload, retaining muscle mass, or even building muscle mass, if you're in a gaining phase, you need to take into account that your recovery is going to be affected by that interval training. So if you're not recovering in time for your strength session and you're really struggling to hit your numbers to progress over time, then that can be an issue. So where you actually do your interval training per, uh, during the week, during the span of the week, is extremely important. It's something that you need to look at and you need to strategically plan it out so that it's not going to have a negative effect on your strength training. Now the second side of this is the fact that it does take its toll on your central nervous system if you're doing it too much. So I have clients where I, even though I'm a huge fan of high intensity interval training and I'd prefer that over low steady state cardio, I won't actually prescribe them any HIIT training. If they're doing strength training, let's say I've got someone doing, uh, I'm, they're lifting in the gym five times per week, I might, may just give them for their conditioning or for their cardio if they need it, low steady state or low intensity steady state cardio because it's not going to affect their recovery time, it's not going to affect their central nervous system, um, they find it a lot easier on the body to recover, a lot easier on the mind because they don't have to psych themselves up to do maximal efforts um, in that interval training. So for them, it's more effective because they're still going to be expending energy, they're going to be recovering in time to be able to smash their strength training. They're going to be able to adhere to the program for longer because they find it a little easier than the conditioning session, their high intensity interval training conditioning sessions. Um, so for them, that's more effective. So I guess that's my opinion on HIIT training and HIIT workouts and, uh, and getting to the point where you're overdoing it. I've definitely done fat loss phases in the past where I'll have one or two HIIT cardio sessions per week on top of my strength training. And if I need more conditioning after that or need more cardio, I'll opt for low intensity steady state because I don't want to overdo it to the point where I'm burning myself out. I'm not recovering in time. My central nervous system is copying an absolute hiding uh, and it's going to have a negative physiological and mental, um, so psychological effect on me over time. So I hope that's answered that question um, and you've got some value out of that. Uh, a massive thanks for you for tuning in today. I hope you're really enjoying these podcast episodes as much as I'm enjoying doing them. Uh, I guess for myself, 
I also get the benefit of interviewing these these amazing people and taking value from what they have to say as well, adding some of their, uh, I guess, tools and tips and tricks to my toolbox to be able to use on my clients and myself and to be able to share with you guys as well. So it's a win-win situation. So I hope you're having a fantastic day. Make sure you stick around and tune in for next week's episode. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and enjoy the rest of your day.